Thank you, everyone. Uh, it's a great privilege to stand before you this morning to bring the word of God. We've been looking at Jonah, the journey towards surrender, and I stand here this morning feeling very much like Jonah. And I know for many of us, it's also the same experience. So I'll count it a great privilege to be standing upon this exalted altar to bring the word of God. And I pray that the word that God has for everyone this morning will find fulfillment in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. So we're going through the study of Jonah. And the journey through the book of Jonah, for me, is something that I've said is something I closely relate to. And I believe for many of us seated here this morning, we can connect with Jonah in one way or the other. As a way of introduction for a clear understanding of this journey of surrender, which is the title of the series that has been going on for the past three weeks here, I'll briefly give a summary of the teachings that we have had over the past three weeks. Jonah 1 was taken by Alison, and she looked at running away from God. How Jonah, in response to God's call, ran away And we understood from the teaching that even in our disobedience, God is gracious, bringing us back to his will. The second Sunday after that, Jonah 2 was taken by Dan, and it was titled, Turning to God. And as Jonah graciously sat in the belly of the fish, he reflected, he repented, and decided to put God first. And in Jonah's reflection, Jonah helped us to recognize that anything else we have placed above God is an idol that can never satisfy. And that we need to give Jesus his rightful place by surrendering to him. And last week, Sue, from the third chapter, spoke on going with God. And in that, we saw that Jonah finally yielded in obedience to what he was asked to do. And God graciously gave Jonah a second chance. And God also graciously gives us a second chance when we choose to respond. So this morning, we'll be looking at the fourth chapter and the last chapter in the series of teachings on the book of Jonah, titled Learning from God. We'll be looking at Jonah's encounter with God in the final lap of the story, and we'll be closely looking at Jonah's response, and we're also going to be relating it to ourselves. And then we'll consider God's response to Jonah's response. Jonah's story captures the seasons of life in the journey through life, and that I would like to liken to a maze. We're all familiar with that. Many doors, many decisions to take. Each decision determines what happens next, what direction we need to go, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. But when you're following the maze, you have to keep moving. There is no stopping. You are desperate to get out of it. You keep moving, you keep moving until you finally get out. So for a better understanding of the context of Jonah, I want to start first by looking at the story of Jonah as a whole, and then we'll focus on the fourth chapter, which forms the discussion for today. So the story of Jonah's encounter 
I'll try to use it describing, using this maze to describe it. It does not go in a sequential order, but for every man, there is a beginning, the call. And there is an ending, which is the same for every man. And that ending ends with God. The call for every man, when we look at the series of Jonah, is when we were born. And I'll tell them, uh, looking at this series, I can see eight seasons in it, which I want us to use to relate to our life's journey. Remembering one thing, that seasons come and seasons go. We're in winter here, but in other parts of the world, they might be in summer. So for everyone, it's a different story. But for everyone, it's the same beginning. We start with God, and the same ending, we end with God. So let's look at the first one, the call. Every man is born, and that's the beginning of our physical journey. And for some, and for many of us here this morning, there's an additional birth when we get born again. When we begin our spiritual life journey, when we realize we cannot go on this journey without God, when we realize we need to be set free from our sins, for the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So on this call, we're either full of so much energy to go God's way, or for others who have not had this experience, we go to the next stage, which is the run. Run away from God like Jonah did. Additionally, this can also represent the moment of backsliding when as a Christian, you return to the old way of life. The run represents a continued life of disobedience and turning away from God. For Jonah, the next stage after running was sleeping. So Jonah ran off. He got on a boat and went down to sleep. It's very interesting to look at the life of Jonah. You get on a boat, you must have been so tired and using the Yorkshire language, knackered. Am I pronouncing it right? <laughs> and he went down, down, down. And the Bible says he went down under the boat and went to sleep. And even when the storms were blowing and the boat was tossing up and down, he was sound asleep. For us, we can represent this as our everyday life of just physically existing. For some, it might be the experience of living from one day to another. I'm just living my life, minding my own business, sort of thing. And for the Christian, it could be a period of spiritual slumber. Might be the time of tiredness, I'm just tired. Or the time of comfort, when things are going on smoothly. No worries, everything is going on well, the children are okay, the work is okay, money is coming in. We're just existing, not involved in anything but ourselves. There's no time to read the Bible, there's no point. There's no time to pray, things are working. I don't need to pray for electricity, I'm well, I'm sound. Does that sound familiar? But for Jonah, it didn't end there. It got to the stage of what I call dunking or dunked. I think we're also familiar with that when you have that nice cup of tea and you take the biscuit and dip it right into. 
That's called dunking. Jonah got thrown into the raging sea to calm the storm. This represents when the storms of life are raging. The troubles, we all know the story of Job in the Bible who had a pack full of troubles. Death, ill health. For us, it can be a loss of a job, a marriage gone wrong, one trouble after another. You literally see the world caving in on you when you physically feel, help, I'm drowning. Is anybody there? I can't take it any longer. God, what's happening? Where are you, God, in all this? For Jonah, he moved on to the belly of the fish because God sent a fish to rescue him. God sent a fish to save Jonah from drowning when he was thrown into the raging storm. This represents when help comes. A time of reflection it was for Jonah. A time of taking a decision. This represents when we begin to take decisions, and that takes us to the next season. Repentance and obedience. Jonah, God gave him a second chance. Decided to obey. For us, when we turn back to God, we return home to him. We break from that habit. We break from those friends. We break from those things that are stopping us from fulfilling what God has said concerning us. We are making a fresh start with life. We are making a conscious effort to step towards God by believing in Jesus' redemption. And then, something happens. Yes, something always happens when everything seems to be going on well. This is not what I thought would happen to me when I turned to Jesus. And for Jonah, it became the period of anger. Why me? Why me? Is that also familiar? And then we get to the season of questions for Jonah. The last stage and the final one. And God's response to Jonah, we can liken this to the end of journey. The end of life. So our focus is on the last two. We're going to be looking at anger and the question, God's response. But why was Jonah angry? God changed his mind about destroying Nineveh because the people repented. And Jonah became angry because God did not destroy Nineveh. You would have thought that Jonah would have rejoiced that lives were saved. People were spared. But no, Jonah was angry. Not only angry, he wanted to die. He preferred to die. Is it die from shame that what he had predicted did not happen? Or did he die because he was too angry, so angry that he could not think rationally? Jonah decided to play the role that most people ascribe to God. Ready to punish us for wrongdoings? The big man upstairs, some call him, waiting to pounce on us. I want to share a story about how we think we can be smarter than God that I read sometimes back. It's about a little girl. Her parents had taught her how to pray. And normally at bedtime, either the mom or the dad would come up to her and she kneels by the bed and she would pray. And that day, after saying the normal lines that she would have prayed, she now prayed, and God, 
please, I want it to snow tomorrow because I want the flowers to be warm all through winter. Amen. And the parents were very pleased. Oh, God, so she could think. And then she winked at the father and said, I tricked God. I tricked him. I wanted it to snow so that I could play with my new sledge. She tricked God. She felt she had tricked him. And so we all sometimes tend to believe we can trick God, or better put, we can have it our own way. Things did not go as planned, or so Jonah felt. How could you, God? That could be your story. Things do not always go the way it should go, for we are a work in progress. I can relate very much with Jonah. This is a testimony I've shared partly here and to some people here also, and I do crave your indulgence to share it again. In 2013, February, I felt I had the right to be angry and doubly right to be. I was just getting over the loss of my first son, who had died in 2009, aged 14 and a half years, after a six-week battle with an inconclusive diagnosis of cancer. And as I sat struggling to understand, my lifeline and prop pulled violently from underneath me. I'll pause here to say that I had a husband that was, as I said, my lifeline and my prop. He was just everything. I couldn't live a day without him because he was there. For instance, if I needed to go out in the morning, he would check the car for me. And sometimes he would say, let me show you how to open the bonnet. I didn't care to know because I know he would open the bonnet of the car. That's just a typical example of how I was. Anyway, as I start struggling to understand, my lifeline and prop pulled violently from underneath me. Visitors were coming in and out, and as a typical African setting, the house were full of people. And I wanted to scream, everyone, leave me alone. That was how I felt inside of me. A colleague came in on a condolence visit, and I remember her saying to me, oh, Hannah, what is happening to you? You have now become like Naomi. It's like your name is now Mara. For those of us that are familiar with the Bible, in the story of Naomi, when she lost her husband and she lost her children afterwards, she said, don't call me Naomi again. My name is Mara, and Mara means bitterness. Is your name now Mara? What is this happening again to you? Yes, I was stunned. Because I couldn't believe that anyone could say such a thing to anyone. I felt hurt, sad, and angry. I believed at that point she voiced what many could not say to me. Double tragedy. What is happening to her? What is happening to Hannah? No, 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 no. My name is Mafo. Mafo is my traditional African name, and Mafo means delivered. I'm totally free. My name is Mafo. My name is Mafo. I remember repeating that to myself. My name is Mafo. My name is not Mara. But in spite of this, I was angry. I told my dad, 
When you named me Mafo, you never knew how important that name would mean to me one day. I was angry. I tell you, I felt angry. Very, very angry. A few of my thoughts, some I've shared before, was where is your glory in this God? And like Jonah, I cried, this does not make sense. This does not make sense. Jonah felt he had the right to be angry. He said 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And this was happening. Jonah was angry that God was good. He was angry that God was good, God was gracious. He preferred to die rather to see God extend mercy to those he felt do not deserve it. It did not make sense. That situation in your life does not make sense. After all I've put into my marriage, poof, he goes after a younger woman. After serving you, my son, brought up in God's way, no longer comes to church with me. He no longer even believes. This does not make sense, Jonah said. And how did God respond? Yes, it does not make sense. God responded in love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To Jonah's anger, to help Jonah, and to help us to make sons, how did God demonstrate this love? First, he provided shelter. Okay, Jonah, I can see you are making a shelter to make yourself comfortable, but you are not doing a good job of it. So to protect you from it, from the 45 degree sunshine, I have a better idea. So in verse 6, then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it to grow over Jonah. And what happened? To give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Secondly, how did God respond in love? God demonstrated his sovereignty. Hey, Jonah, I made the plan so I can take it. I'm the creator, you are a creature. And that was in verse 7. It says, but at the dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. So to help Jonah get the true sense, I mean the true sense of life and death, God took away the protection. So life and death can only be given and taken by God the creator. And to add drama to it, verse 8, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, I mean a big wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. But still, it did not make sense to Jonah. He still wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to live than die. 
No, Jonah still wanted to die. But what was God's response still? God defined the purpose of man in the question in verse 11. In responding to Jonah, God demonstrated that he cared for Jonah, he cared for the people of Nineveh, he cares for you, he cares for me, he cares for the nations of the world. He is a creator. Psalm 121 verse 1. I look up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help come from the maker of heaven and earth. He is in control. God is in control. Psalm 46 from verses 1 to 5. And I'll read verse 1 and 5. It says, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. I pause here to say he's already present there before you got into that trouble. He was waiting. Verse 5 says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. I tell us now, God is not confused. Not a minute is he confused about that matter because he's right there in the storm with you. And lastly, God's promise must be fulfilled. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give hope and a future. And Proverbs 20, 19 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So, how should I respond when it does not make sense? Number one, understand God's character. Number two, be willing to let him lead. Number three, yield to his plans. Number four, allow his Holy Spirit to change us. And the last one, show his love in all. And what does this mean? Absolute trust in my creator. The God that knows my end from my beginning. The God that knew me from my mother's womb. The God that loved me so much that he sent his only son Jesus to die for me. The God that desires the best for me. And the God that created me to show forth his glory. Would this God want to destroy me? No, he wouldn't. He wants me to trust him through it all. Why? Because his light and his glory will shine forth even in this. To summarize Jonah's life and our journey to surrender, I want us to look at these things about Jonah that we might not have noticed. And I noticed it when I was reading, preparing for this. Jonah 1.1, 1, 1, God spoke. Jonah 2.1, Jonah spoke. Jonah 3.1, God spoke again. Jonah 4.1, Jonah reacted in anger. And is there a Jonah 5.1? There wasn't any. So what's happened to Jonah after this encounter? I might be wondering, I was wondering myself, but I believe it's a fitting conclusion. There wasn't anything else to say because Jonah chapter 4 verse 11 provides an understanding to the 
whole essence of God's purpose for man, that man be not destroyed. That we know what is right and wrong, that we be like him, and that's talking about eternity. So what is my purpose, and what is my response, and what is your response when it doesn't make sense? We need to understand one thing, that God has a better, better purpose. I love this quote by Jim Elliot, which says, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. I want to begin to draw a conclusion by reading some of the sermon my husband wrote three days before he died. And I just request a little time to read it, some part of it. He had asked me that he was going to preach the Sunday. He died on a Wednesday. So on Saturday, he said I was preaching the next day. And I was like wondering, because he wasn't going to church. He had had a fracture. So he had a POP and was not, had not been going to church for some weeks before then. And I teased him saying, so are you going to pre preach in the local church or in the provincial headquarters? And he said, you will see. I found the message in his pile of books and Bibles about some weeks after he had died. And I'll read some portion of it. And the text was taken from, was taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. And this is what he wrote. It's written here. Normally he writes his sermon in a book, and I wonder why he wrote it on this sheet of paper. Anyway, the title was, my light afflictions is but for a moment. And he wrote his name near it. And he said, things we see are temporal. Everyone needs a, a change of story, but not every story is the desired. All needs a change of story. And he wrote, blind Bartimaeus needed a change of story. Jesus changed his story. I'm just reading parts of it because of time. He wrote down there, until you feel sick and tired of being sick and tired you get your change of story. One man came into his life and he wrote, I love you. Show me your vision, I'll take you to your future. Let Jesus walk into my Jericho to change my story today. Only have faith in God and God comes into your Jericho situation. And so finally, it began to make sense for me after reading these things. It finally made sense for my light afflictions above for a moment. And I can boldly testify today that that is the ultimate, the eternal things. Like God spoke to Jonah, he's still speaking today, the eternal things. This is what matters to God because God does not see us in parts, but the finished product. Isaiah 29, 16 says, Can what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? So we are the clay. He is the creator. He is the potter. The clay in the hand of the potter only becomes an object of beauty of use when the potter has finished the molding and the firing of the pottery. The molding of the clay is required. The firing is also important. It has to be at the right temperature to produce a strong object, and then the decoration comes on. Each process is important. God will not allow you to pass through what he knows you cannot handle. Every experience on the journey of life is to equip and lift you 
unto your next season. With this in mind, I want to come to a conclusion to say, God's purpose for man is to deliver us from destruction. Check out what is happening in the world today. So much chaos and wickedness. You just need to turn on the TV and see. As we are talking now, some people have not slept for days. The display of wickedness is disobedience and the following of the instructions of the devil. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he has come to give us life and to have it in full. So today I present to you Jesus. He is the answer to make a sense of this journey of life. So are you in the wrong season of life? You cannot run forever. God loves you and wants you and longs to bring you peace. He can set you free. He can break the chains that has kept you in bondage. And are you in the sleep stage? He wants you to wake up because eternity is real. There is no more to life than existing. Or are you feeling dunked, troubled by life? It does not make sense. Where are you, God, in all this? I tell you, he's working out for good. Or are you living in anger, like Jonah, angry against God, angry against man, because it does not make sense? He longs to set you free today. Will you allow him? Will you allow God into your situation? Because when all said and done, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that judgment. It is eternity that matters. That is the whole purpose put together, not the fragments we see. So what will happen ultimately is the last, as mere clays, God's beauty needs to shine forth. In, the all, in all that is happening to us, that's what is most important to God. That is what is most important to him. So what do we do? I want to end by reading this quote by Jim Elliot. A man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Are you willing to reach out to Jesus on this journey of life? Whatever the season or stage you are in today, for him to bring beauty out of ashes and give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you ready to let go and let God this morning? Are you ready to stop running and to surrender? I would like us to pray now. Wasn't that good? Wasn't there so much in that? Um, yeah, we will, we're praying, then we're going to carry on responding. Um, so much to pick out, and I just really um, would like us just to focus. Would you just stand with me as we go into time of prayer and worship that Hannah just said, are you willing to reach out to Jesus this morning in response? Are you willing? That's a question. Are you willing to reach out? And there are things which, and there's so much more than this, but are you tired this morning? Then Jesus is the answer.
Have you become too self-reliant? Well, come to Jesus and repent. He will give you that fresh start. Are you bitter? Are you angry about something? I know that bitterness and anger can prevent so much of the Lord's goodness coming into our lives. So just think about that as we respond to him. Are we more interested in the gift or the giver? So let's just, as Dan just starts to lead us in, in worship, I'm just going to pray, and then if, if people have words, then please do come forward and speak to Christian uh, and myself, and let's just share body together. But please take this opportunity. Father God, I do pray, Lord, that your spirit will act like that double-edged sword that it mentions about in your word, that he will penetrate to joints and marrow, that he will separate what needs to separate, that he will put together what needs to be put back together. And Father God, I pray that your spirit will come in healing, that he'll come with, with knowledge, Lord, that he will come and do whatever he needs to do just to make us better, Lord, this morning. We know that you have our hearts, and I pray, Lord, that we may just surrender to you at this time. In Jesus' name.